0: You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? You're listening to episode 21 of Podcast PXN. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, aka Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I am joined by the pride of PlayStation, Sean Babiak. Sean, Game of the Decade, Hello Kitty Island Adventure 2, that's what you're going with? Is that? Is that a fair assessment?
1: If people listen to the pre-show, though, you, so, you told that the same a, joke. That
0: an Easter egg. Yeah, so if anyone wants to watch That's that. That's not an they, Easter egg. <laughs> it's an Easter egg, yeah. So anyone watching live got that. Yeah, well, it's Easter Call- egg, callback, whatever. Thank you to everyone watching live and participating in the live chat. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. All you have to do is search podcast PXN and you will find us on there. The show always starts with the PXN News of the Week, so let's go ahead and jump right in. The first item we have is IGN, the biggest uh, game reviewer and news outlet for the video game industry and entertainment industry in general, has a brand new scoring system for reviews. So... Previously, they had a scoring system based on the 100-point scale, so they'd have from zero, essentially, even though I don't know if I've ever seen a zero to 100. I think their lowest was like a 1.5 at some point. Yeah. I think that's what I
1: remember. Maybe it, a 2.5.
0: So, essentially, they're they're uh, cutting that back to a 20-point scale, or, I'm sorry, 10-point scale. Uh, it was a 20-point yeah. scale. I don't know why I said 100. They used to well, have technically. Well, technically, if right? you think of the decimals as
1: um like if you do the frag it would have been a 100 point scale
0: right right right, right. you're right T- 20 point scale is their new version right or 10 point scale it would
1: technically be just a 10 point because they're not even point doing point fives. They aren't. Yes, yep. okay.
0: So, anyway, yeah, that was a great news article, Daniel. You did your research on that one. But anyways, <laughs> they have a new scoring system where they're basically eliminating all the decimals. So it'll be 0 to 10, uh, ver- very much being 0 is the worst game ever made. I don't know that I've ever seen anything re- uh, reviewed as a 0. Uh, 10 is reviewed as a masterpiece. Uh, so 10 is your uh, last of us. I don't even know if that got a 10, but yeah, like that kind yeah. of, that kind of experience. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with this just because, and we were talking about this before. Uh, essentially, essentially, I, I'm not sure what that face was for, but anyways, I did not mean to do a video. Oh, okay. I was
1: trying to look up their lowest rated game. Okay. Ever.
0: Uh, essentially, essentially, their review scale should be based on what the words say, according to IGN themselves. And the problem with that is for me personally is there's a lot of gray area between what is something that's a masterpiece and amazing. Like how do you define, if you think of something in your head as being uh, very close to a masterpiece, like something that doesn't quite hit that masterpiece level, but it's not like, I wouldn't say like amazing or whatever, like there's a lot of games that i feel like would be right below a masterpiece that i feel like they're kind of losing by doing this i understand that's probably going to be probably less common than uh than more common uh so to speak but i just feel like they're leaving a lot of gray area and i i agree that the number system is an antiquated system and we shouldn't always rely on numbers but the problem and the fact of the matter is is in today's world we often uh look to metacritic and open critic or whatever the other one platforms are as well and that kind of gauges people's interest in the games and if you start having more outlets have less numbered reviews you're basically making those other outlets that still do numbered reviews uh, higher weighted on metacritic so if you have uh, outlet A, B, and C that are doing numbered reviews on Metacritic, and you have IGN that doesn't do a numbered review. That review number might be skewed based on those other outlets that still do numbers. If if that makes sense, it just it seems like it's going to be skewed if everyone was. I to can do understand
1: that. there's going to no matter what be gray areas. Um, I and I agree that the number system is antiquated. Anyways, I think it's stupid to have numbers um to begin with i think really as gamers we should listen to the people that we respect in the industry that have similar interests listen to what they're saying or read what they're saying as opposed to let me scroll down see what the number is and that's going to base on if i'm going to want this game or not because unfortunately that's what happens Mm -hmm. and that's why you'll never see big contributors get rid of number scores right i mean they've changed their point system i think twice now in the last Maybe it's three times, or at least twice in the last eight years, Mm. um, where they did a .5 system, and that was it. Basically 20-point, like you said, and then the hundred points. So it's something that they haven't kind of gone back and forth with with changing. Who knows if this will even stick? Um, But like, I was actually listening to Podcast Unlocked from this week, and they were kind of discussing it. And Ryan McCaffrey made a point about how the gray areas is going to kind of take him a moment to think of, because he gave an example of Titanfall, the original. Um, and how he scored that in a point nine. Right. Um, and he did not feel confident giving that a 9 due to the bare bones of Titanfall 1. It had a lot of good things going for it. Um, it was really a great concept, especially with, like, the whole inside mech, outside mech, and that still, like, working as one, but no single player. Really very light on multiplayer, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was enjoyable, but it was very light. So he did not feel confident giving that a 9 on their system, which would have been an amazing game. Mm-hmm. So he gave it an 8.9 to like let readers know, hey, I really think this is a great game, and it's so close to being amazing. It's just got a few things holding its back. But like, yeah. now what would you say? Would you almost, in a numerical sense, take that down by 9 tenths of a point and, that's and say point. it's a great? So yeah. there is going to obviously be some issues with it. Yeah. Um, either way... I personally don't care too much, Um, just me personally, because if it's a game that I'm interested in, Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to take the time to read that commenter's uh, article or watch the video. I, I do like video reviews as well.
0: And I don't think, like, personally, I agree with you. I don't think that uh, the number system sways me at all. I read the reviews that I care about as well. We both are going to play
1: Death Stranding no matter what
0: review we got. However, what I will say is is this affects people that aren't really that engaged with the game industry. Like, the casual players aren't going to necessarily read in a review like that. So... I feel like this... i just this curious change... how many casuals go on IGN, though, to read a review. Quite a big man. I don't know. I, I'm not one, so I have no idea. Just because IGN is the most popular gaming uh, outlet as far as reviews go. Like, they're the number one, clear number one media outlet for games and for entertainment in general. So, the thing is, is this won't affect us at all. This doesn't change our opinions or our... Or whatever we think about a certain game because we're going to read the reviews and we're going to trust certain people to give us their impressions but I think this will have an impact uh, possibly on people who don't read reviews who just scroll down to the number and that's like your more casual player and or maybe even people who uh, pass on the information like someone asks someone else like hey what did that game get reviewed as and someone says oh that got a seven like a seven is very different than a 7.9. I would say, you know, it's it's very close to being good, uh, or on IGN scale, very close to being great, but it's still good. So I almost wish. So did you, have you ever watched Clueless Gamer? Uh, and yes, like, I know and it's and a joke. I know it's a joke, yeah. but it is very
1: funny how like he makes fun of the review scale about how kind of like it could be out of 666. Yeah. a 500's a great. A like 600 is terrible. All that stuff. That's kind of how I feel. Is mm-hmm. that just read what the reviewer is telling you or listen to yep. what the reviewer is telling you. But like we said, they're a company, obviously. I mean, only time will tell how well this goes. Yeah. Um, it'll really depend on those editors themselves on how they kind of adapt to this new scale. Mm-hmm. Is this going to hurt, say, in your opinion... Obviously, Halo is your favorite franchise. Say, in your opinion, Halo Infinite comes out and it's a 9.5. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do they then round up or do they round down and like Mm. is that
0: fair to the game or the developer in the end and it could cause problems as far as like game sales like because game sales are traditionally linked to critical acclaim not always there's obviously situations where i was gonna say i think rockstar could have a terrible game and they're still gonna sell (laughs) exactly and there's certain call of duty same way they could have an awful call of duty game that still sells well yeah ghosts for the most part, those lower tier games or mid tier games all often rely on those reviews to be reviewed well in order for people to purchase the game. But yeah,
1: well, it also too gives you, uh, I guess like my only thought is I feel personally to kind of wrap up is just that you're going to see a lot more games. I think from this outlet being a little bit more heavily criticized and maybe a little bit more thorough thought is going to be put into it. Like, Mm if I played, say, Control, um, which I I was talking about that I played that game, if I were an IGN employee, I'd be like, okay, that's probably in my mind like a 9.3. Cool? Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. So now I'm only thinking that it's a 9. Okay, well, when everything's going to get centered up on the screen on a commercial break, saying what I gave it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I just gave it a 9 out of 10, when in reality, if you are – mom or whatever mom or dad picking up a game for their kid i know they're not gonna pick up control but still right so you see something a nine out of ten instead of a nine out of or 9.3 out of 10 it might sway you i don't know i don't think like that but maybe some people do you could be right
0: and it also and i'm not i'm trying not to draw this out but like, you're, you're putting games in the same category that may not necessarily belong in the same category. You might have multiple games that are nines, but some are better than others that don't necessarily belong next to each other, if that makes
1: sense. Not necessarily It would, nine, because, but- like, I, honestly, I'm thinking about uh, two specific ones right now, Bayonetta 1 and Bayonetta 2. Mm. Bayonetta 2 is far superior game. Yeah. It is one of probably the best action games that you'll ever play in your entire life. Bayonetta One was an amazing game, but in the this rating scale they would be both rated the same and I would disagree. But I would also not agree that Bayonetta two should get a ten. I would say Bayonetta now would be or two would be a nine, and then Bayonetta the first one would be an eight. Bayonetta two got a ten? Bayonetta two actually got a nine point five in IGN. Jesus. Uh it's I know you I don't think you've ever played it, but no. it is one of the best action games you'll ever play in your life. So
0: all right, so moving on, uh, Respawn CEO Vince Pella is taking over EA's uh, DICE LA studio and he is rebranding it with plans for a brand new IP. So they are basically reforming the image of this studio to be a brand new title uh, for the studio and also a new IP being announced as well uh, in the future. This is, I think, a testament to how well Vince Zampella has done in his career. Vincent Pella has absolutely killed it. Uh, back in the early days of uh, EA, he helped create Medal of Honor. Uh, he moved on to the Mo- Call of Duty franchise. And Remember obviously when Medal Modern- of Honor was good. Medal of Honor was? Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, Remember when Medal yeah. of Honor was good. Yeah, that was when Vince Zampella was there. So that and then call of duty modern warfare he revolutionized that and then obviously the whole deal with activision he got fired or whatever the all went on there that fiasco with activision and uh he created respawn and respawns made nothing but good games titanfall titanfall 2 re uh i must said respawn apex legends uh and obviously star wars jedi fallen order this past fall And this is a testament to EA just saying, hey, we trust you, you need to basically build this studio up because the DICE LA studio has historically been a support studio for DICE in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, who makes the Battlefield and Battlefront games. They've always been a support studio and now they're basically getting their own identity to make something new and original under his direction. So I think this is great news, personally. I, I The
1: only thing is I just worry about giving one person too many eggs in their basket. Um, that, that would be the only thing. Like, I, I don't want to see, I guess, a hindrance on Respawn as a studio because he doesn't have his fingers in there mm. at the moment. Because like we said, and you just said, Respawn does not make a bad game. So if efforts are concentrated somewhere else where he's not as an overseer, again, I don't know what his day-to-day looks like um he might not have that much besides like a managerial position in the sense of that he just hey how's this going how's this going cool thanks yep that type of thing and it could be the people under him but still i always look at that head as or ceo as somebody who's going to write the ship that it's wrong and you want to make sure that everything's going okay because they continue to knock it out of the park
0: and and to be fair they do have very good leadership uh in charge they have uh they announced actually that stig is it stig who is with respawn that came over from god of war team uh that sounds very familiar i think it's stig yeah but stig is basically gonna helm uh the future of the star wars jedi games so obviously they're in great hands because he's the one who came over uh and pretty much built star wars jedi fallen order and I I completely trust Stig and I think that he will very much uh be in capable hands with that. Apex Legends is being helmed by the guy who helped co create Apex Legends, so I I think they're fine in that regard. I think more than anything i think that vincent pella knows how to uh, manage his people and i think that's the most important thing here is giving them a direction and saying hey do whatever you want but this is your direction go for it and i think this is going to be a testament to him and if he could turn around dice la into another amazing studio for ea that would be absolutely awesome whatever they
1: can do i guess to keep the star wars license at this point yeah because they're gonna have to. Because Disney is not going to just let one studio have that. Yeah. They're not right. going to do that
0: unless EA gives them a huge amount of money again. I don't cause... know if Disney needs the money. <laughs> yeah. They own everything in the world at this point. Yep. So, uh, our next news story: there was a new leak uh, from the uh, DualShock Five controller that has actually uh, appeared on the internet. It apparently has come from cleaners who have been cleaning uh, Ubisoft's office, or so they say. The interesting thing here is, is uh, Ryan McCaffrey said this on Twitter, which I completely agree with. Why would Sony, or I'm sorry, not Sony, why would, why would a cleaner, cleaner post on social media that they have this leaked image of a PlayStation 5 controller with a PlayStation 5 dev kit and say, please don't share this post, on a public social media page it doesn't make sense in that regard so what ryan said and i think is he's spot on is that either ubisoft or sony leaked this purposefully in order to get generate hype or awareness or whatever you want to call it for playstation 5 which makes sense completely to me and as he said it just doesn't make sense that a a, cleaner would be that stupid to say don't share this post on social media like obviously people are going to share it if they see it so i don't know i'm at this point daniel and i were talking about this before i'm so tired of leaks
1: tired of leak culture or all this crap i know this is going to be one of the most difficult years as long as we're not in a war Uh, as far as getting consoles and all this information and everything coming up it's just I, I want to play what's coming. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to see it or like think that I'm seeing it, I guess. like uh, We didn't put it as a news story, but the fake Xbox uh, ports uh, that came out, right? Oh, like, AMD, yeah. AMD
0: mistakenly took an image from a random website and instead in, of yeah. from and until
1: Until they both, which we assume they'll both have a press conference, not outside of East 3, until we have those at this moment i i honestly just want to go dark i mean i might like to hear about some games i don't need to hear anything about the consoles until they're ready to announce and maybe even ready to announce the prices because that's what i'm trying to brace myself for
0: yeah it's just the nature of the industry is leaks it is yeah just it always happens it's every year even before e3 there's always something that gets leaked this year actually wasn't that or sorry this past past year year was pretty good for the first time in a while but uh yeah, that's kind of the nature. Well, of the and then
1: PlayStation Five also showed off like their logo too, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. which I have that. I have that next. We oh, can do I, that next if you want. I was doing a transition for oh, you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we could do that next. So, yeah, the PlayStation Five logo was revealed at CES uh, at Sony's press conference. So the crazy part about this logo is it's very original. Like it, liter- it, it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen before except it is it's literally just the playstation 4 logo except with the 5 on it don't forget they're going up to playstation
1: 9 via that commercial that came out like 10 years ago where it was like all vr but not vr so just wait for that one
0: so ps5 logo that's all we got from ces they said more to come later on uh obviously that will be interesting to see when when that uh gets fully revealed, uh the console and everything, uh to kind of compare it to Xbox Series X. Uh but also that Sony did announce some numbers as well from their uh CES press conference, which I thought was kind of interesting. So they announced 106 million PlayStation 4 systems has been sold. Uh, five million PlayStation VR units have been sold. A lot more uh, than I thought. And 1.15 billion games on PlayStation Four have been sold, which is an astronomical number. Um, but the obviously, you said uh, a lot more than you expected for VR. I, my, I thought four.
1: I know it's only one million more, but five million—that means Black Friday, in my opinion, probably had a really good effect. Five uh, with here. a lot of people kind of jumping in on that, which. I like, I, I still like that they're supporting everything with VR, yeah. um, that they're continuing to make games, a game I'll talk about later on. Um, I, I really like that. Um, I know it's such a small percentage, only five, it's basically less a little than less 5%. than 5%, yeah. um, but I still like that they're supporting that less than 5% gamers that want that experience.
0: And that, that to me, is going to be the question for next gen, because... Mm-hmm. How long are they going to support it at that low of an install base? Because that, at the end of the day, they're a company. They have to make money, and obviously, they're making money uh, on the headsets. They're probably not taking a loss on the headset, I wouldn't think. Probably not uh, at this point. Yeah, exactly. And They're not losing no money way, on the moves. Yeah, I'll tell you that. They're making money on that if they sell a move. Yeah. And the thing is, is uh, I think the, the longevity is the thing that we need to be a little concerned about for PlayStation VR and VR in general. Because the install base has to be there or else companies aren't going to keep coming back making VR games because they're not going to make enough money off of them to make more. Like, companies may make a, a vr game like for the first time like a new company makes a vr game and then they go away from it because they're like hey this isn't profitable enough for us to stay alive like even the small uh smaller d- developers not necessarily indies because they well, I guess it de- have a lower it really depends i mean squanchy's already made squanchy games Justin roiland's yeah.
1: de- uh, team has already made three uh vr games so right. But they, they must are, be seeing something.
0: However, they are like a very small team, like less than 10 people. They are, yes. I'm I'm saying more like the mid-tier developer, like someone who's like, like 50. uh London Studio? Right. That did Blood and Truth this yes. past year? So that's the problem in the longevity because you have a higher expense when you're paying 50 plus employees to make a vr experience that may only get to a couple million people because obviously all the whole install base of five million users isn't going to buy that game even though there are some great games that get a high install base there is a there is a plus
1: side at least going forward into this next generation is that those five million people can use their psvr on the next ps5 right Again, I I have some issues with it. I, I do think we're going to see a refresh of it. Yep. I don't think it's anything we are going to drop. Um, my main criticism, obviously, when I get the PS Five and I hook up my VR unit, mm-hmm. I'm going to be playing with essentially PS Three controllers. Yes. Uh,
0: just because of the move. Which that's my that's my biggest issue with it. Which that's great that uh, you can use your PSVR on PS Five. The only other thing is is the amount of people that are buying a PlayStation 5 most likely already own PSVR so like i would say probably in the ball this is just me speculating but i would say in the ballpark of like 90% of people who buy a PlayStation 5 at launch already have a PlayStation Do you think that VR high? just because If you think about it, if they already have PlayStation VR, they're going to buy a PlayStation 5. They're not going to buy a PlayStation 5 for PlayStation VR, if you know what I'm saying. Like, if they wanted PlayStation VR, they can get it on PlayStation 4, but... I just don't see, my problem with VR has always been, is it going to keep getting new people into the experience? If people already have PlayStation VR on PS4 and just take that to PS5, that's not really helping Sony's numbers. That's just basically people moving from one platform to another. You know what I'm saying? It's not expanding that 5 million. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean, it could be like in the case what I mentioned like, we're,
1: they haven't come out and said it, but I just bought my another PlayStation 4 controller for Christmas, and now I'm going to be able to use that on PlayStation 5. Maybe that's something that people are thinking about next year when mm. it comes to like, hey, Black Friday deals are again. There's the PS5 system, even though I doubt it'll be in stores, just like it always happens when a console launches. It's hard to find them on those two sale days. Right. Um, but like, hey, I can just grab a PSVR for
0: like super cheap, and it's going to work on my thing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No. Uh, our next news story we have is Ori and the Will of the Wisps has gotten a new collector's edition announced for forty nine ninety nine. Uh, this includes the game, uh, music CD, art book, original soundtrack, and MP three download of the soundtrack, and a steel book. So it's a decent deal for fifty bucks. I just uh, personally, I probably won't pick it up just because uh, it doesn't have anything like substantial that i'm really like uh thinking i would want it for i guess a statue would be cool yeah Yeah, something something like that that. obviously that would be more expensive but fifty dollars for what you get here that's fair price for people who want that it's just maybe not necessarily something i will get i'll just get the uh digital version through game pass i was gonna say i'm gonna play it
1: through game pass but
0: i just really want it on switch yeah so, I don't really care if it goes on Switch, but, I mean, more power to them if it gets more people to play it. I'll 100% be on board for that. Uh, next, we have a, another leak, which I know my co-host absolutely loves leaks, so I'll definitely mention that. Uh, there's a This new... is a continuous leak since basically for like two and a half
1: years. <laughs> yeah,
0: this is a new, new leak of the same thing, but there's apparently a PlayStation... PlayStation, a nintendo switch pro that is in the works uh reportedly coming the middle of 2020 so basically they're saying a higher end switch will uh, come out this year obviously last year we got uh, both the switch Lite and the new version of the switch which has the better battery life um but the thing that i think is important about this is is they need to do something in order to keep the third-party support. Because when the new consoles come next fall, this fall, actually. I keep saying next fall, but this feels fall. like 2019. Yeah. Uh, when the new consoles come this fall, they're going to lose third-party support on the Switch if they don't do something. Because it's very difficult, as it is, to port games to the Switch from Xbox One and PS4. But... When you're going from Xbox Series X and PS5 to the Switch, that's an astronomical leap that they're going to have to bridge the gap somehow. Otherwise, they're going to lose the likes of uh, Ubisoft, EA, Activision. Well, Well, EA,
1: you don't have to mention. EA has no faith in the Switch. That's true. They have totally squandered any opportunity to do anything well on the Switch.
0: But just third parties in general.
1: Yeah, I mean... So, I, I understand where you're coming from uh, when it comes to a Switch Pro for it or or an upgraded Switch. I'm personally very content with my Switch. Yes, I am upset that mine is a launch Switch, so I don't have that better battery life. Um, that'd be great not to have. Like, I've. A game I've been playing, I can only play it for about like three and a half hours, a right. um, li- little less before my battery dies. So, it is very frustrating that the new one, I could get double that time. Um, but I'm very content with everything with my switch. Um, I, it does what I needed to do. The games that I want to play on it are fantastic. We know that Nintendo does such a good job with the art direction and the design of their own games. So to utilize their systems, they always, excuse me, have done that. Um, so it's not something that I necessarily need. Um, but I do see the want from it when it comes to what's coming this year. Mm. um, i just i don't want to invest in another console when i'm already definitely investing in one i want to see what the lockhart version of the series is xbox is going to be um i don't need a third one as well
0: yeah i I mean i i definitely agree with you that it's definitely going to add more uh expenses that are not really necessary and i agree in the sense that uh I only use my Switch for Nintendo exclusives. I don't play like Diablo three like you've played or like other third party games on there. But for we've seen in the past, as we saw with Wii U, the success of a console is oftentimes backed on third party support. If you don't have that, yes, there's great games that Nintendo puts out, but you have to have that third party support or you're not going to get See, the big numbers, my, like Wii, the only thing I'll
1: cr- The only thing I'll say is as, as far as a little bit of correction, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this thought, but Wii U's problem was not third party. Wii U's problem was first party more because their first party support, while fantastic, yeah. the few games they had, yeah. they were like N64. They were few and far between. The year that yeah. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe came out, there was that, uh, Super Mario Bros. U, and Bayonetta 2. Yeah. That was it like as far as from there and granted i know third parties helped that Mm -hmm. and they did have some great indies with that i mean shovel knight was a launch on that too but it's not going to do anything at that when everybody already looks at their nintendo console as a nintendo first
0: party thing that you want to buy when you don't have that stuff too you're already screwed yeah I feel like there was a lot of Wii U games, personally, like Super Mario Maker, Super Mario 3D World, Splatoon, while it's not my cup of tea, it was a big deal, Smash obviously came for Wii U, uh, Breath of the Wild was obviously later on when Switch came out, but obviously- But
1: it, it, the the gaps between those were few and far between. Yeah, they And were- when you don't have the third party, then it's affected, but- yeah. Like, so Xbox, uh, we've talked to, or Microsoft, has a very good first-party lineup this year. Um, they have pretty much good bangers starting in, I think, March. or mm-hmm. is the first one. Um, so they have pretty much a consistent line finally coming up this year. Um, Sony has a little bit less, but still a lot of first parties coming out, too. We only know of one first-party Nintendo this year. We only have Animal Crossing. Yeah. That's it. Um,
0: that is known. Obviously, we'll find out more. Do we know... Is there more than uh, Uncharted or Uncharted? Last of Us Part Two and uh, and Ghost of Tsushima. Um, they have a few other ones from smaller studios. I couldn't name off my head. That wasn't. That was the only two I could think of off the top of my head that they have announced. But obviously, there's going to be unannounced stuff for PlayStation Five. Yeah. Uh, uh, That God game. Oh, that three. Oh God, no! That God game that's being published by Gearbox is a PlayStation Five yeah. launch game, but, but I don't know if that's published by them, is it? Because I thought uh, it was no, just Gearbox, Gearbox yeah, published. It was, yeah. yeah, but it's a it's essentially like a second party uh, arrangement where it's a first party game on a third party developer. So, uh, I don't know. i It'll be interesting to see what happens with this. I I feel like Nintendo. Uh, maybe feels like they have to do something uh or else they're going to fall behind and we saw with witcher 3 for instance that that barely runs on switch at a very low resolution at less than 30 frames per second dreams, dreams. yes you're right dreams um but yeah i don't know that'll be interesting to, to see there uh we'll go ahead and move on to the next news story uh There's a new Lord of the Rings Gollum game that has been confirmed for PlayStation 5, Xbox, and PC. Uh, So this is interesting uh, in the realm of the announcement just because they talk about this game being like a different interpretation of Gollum. So they're trying a different idea with Gollum. They talk about how Tolkien didn't give a size reference for Gollum to begin with and that... In the first illustrations, he's actually gigantic and he's a monster emerging from the swamp. So this sounds intriguing, but the only thing is, is uh, I'm I'm looking here. The developer is Datalik Entertainment, and they're not really a well-known studio uh, per se. They have a bunch of games that have come out that have been very uh, lackluster because I don't know any of them uh i'm just looking at the list here and there's like goodbye deponia uh a year of rain uh the night of the rabbit blackguards i mean there's just a whole lot of games that are just like uh i don't know these and they seem like a very small developer i don't know a lot about them. oh felix
1: the reaper uh that came out this, this past year okay that got good reviews i we it's on game pass i haven't played it gotcha yeah that's the only one i recognize honestly
0: that's the concerning thing with this is they've never worked with anything on this level lord of the rings is something on a whole nother level and obviously everything they've worked on thus far has been an original thing that's a little little game like it seems like they've made a lot of little games and not anything substantial so to say Uh, so even even though what you're saying uh that the reaper game felix the reaper uh came out to well well appraised it's obviously not anything on the level of lord of the rings i just don't
1: i don't understand everyone's obsession with the golem Uh, i'll never get that
0: just just make shadow shadow three yeah (laughs) true i saw mordor three have to beat shadow of war uh so we'll move on to the games we're playing uh games we're playing still playing halo the master chief collection uh halo reach in there i'm not gonna delve into that because that's every week uh i did start detroit become human which is only the second time that i've turned on my playstation 4 since i moved in to my new missing, house missing out is a really turn re- on my xbox one once yeah well the first time I turned on the PS4 was just for the modern, more fair alpha, so I wouldn't even really count that. But anyways, Detroit Become Human, uh, I really liked the detective, uh, episode, which, or chapter, which was the first chapter of the game. It was really interesting. I liked piecing together the puzzle of the whole crime that occurred, and then, uh, having your actions that, that happened in the game, uh as far as what evidence you collect what things you see what uh things you discover uh in the environment and then connecting that to the story where you encounter someone and try to diffuse the situation in this in this uh occurrence in the first chapter i really like that however the next two chapters i absolutely hated it was a lot of uh mundane tasks like clean the rooms and do this and move this and talk to him and move here. And I, I'm not one that hates walking simulators like you do. I like many of those types of experiences, but this was feeling very mundane. I kept, kept doing things that are mundane and I get what they were trying to do. They were trying to build a narrative around, uh, what, what this one guy was doing. He was basically a giant, uh, druggy that they were trying to pen him as like an awful guy i totally get that it's just in this uh, circumstance i didn't feel like it um actually made myself worthwhile for my time playing it uh, it just didn't feel like it respected my time that's the reason why i didn't really uh, like those couple of chapters i'm probably going to go back to it and try to do some more uh i got to the next detective mission and it was good as well so we'll see if that continues i really just like to kill off the other two characters exa- and play as the detective. yeah <laughs> i'd really just like a game just as the detective the, the entire game like i don't know why they didn't just do that that would have been very much up my alley but anyways that's my thoughts on detroit
1: uh so the first game i played uh and beat actually a few hours ago finally uh after dying like 50 times is uh, Guacamelee the first one uh, I wanted to replay it to kind of amp myself up for Guacamelee 2 um, it's a game I got for Christmas so I've been very much looking forward to playing it um, not much needs to be say it, said about Guacamele as far as the original it's got a legacy of its own um drinkbox, uh am i right it's not soapbox it's drinkbox. drinkbox. I, was, I always want to say soapbox uh has a pretty good repertoire when it comes to now indie games with their guacamelee series yep. i've never played severed but i know it got very good reviews when it came out um but guacamelee is a fantastic uh, metroidvania um that is actually very funny maybe a little bit outdated if you play it now um but it is still very funny um the second one i am it's looked like it's ramping up to be the same but i i I just loved guacamole and obviously i can't get enough metroidvanias because that's what i keep playing Mm -hmm. um my next game is actually a psvr game and we were kind of talking about it with squanchy games is trover saves the universe um so i know you have never seen rick and morty Mm -hmm. which i find just mind-bending because i think it's right up your alley um but it is uh made by justin roiland uh, and his team and then he voices pretty much it feels like all the characters and it's just all the things you loved about rick and morty without those two characters uh it was like i was in my vr chair just laughing i was dying i know you weren't in the house at all but i was like just crying laughing by some of the stuff um it's to be expected that it's incredibly adult um, and yeah. that's just how it is, but it's very much knows it's a game. It comments on how it's a game and it's the fourth wall breaking makes it even better. The gameplay actually like, so you play as a, um, chair Morpian. You are the, as the person that's in the VR, you are stuck in a chair and that's what your race does as aliens is you guys just are in chairs and you move around basically like Wally, uh, the humans that were like that. And then you get to meet Trover, who you actually control, and you just watch him kind of perform the actions that you're controlling, just like you would any other game. Mm. Uh, But, like, obviously your perspective changes because you're in VR, you're controlling the camera with your head and all that stuff, and just the stuff that can happen is hilarious. So, like, I remember, like, in instances... That I was like going around, like, oh, I wanna just check this out. It's VR, that's so cool to see. And then Trover just makes a comment, hey, like, hey, is this your first time in VR? Like, I get it, but uh, we got things to do. <laughs> and I was just like, I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. Or like, one of the first side quests that you have to do is you have to uh, save um, this farmer's uh, cattle, basically, or version of cattle. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, I see cattle in this pen right here. So you have to save it from an infection. So I'm like, okay, well. I just did my lightsaber attack because that's basically what it is. And he's like, no, you killed them. You killed all of them. Oh, and God. then they're like, well, they all look the same. And they're like, well, then you think all aliens look the same and all this stuff. And it goes into this whole diatribe about how now everyone in the planet thinks Trover's a racist. Uh, and then you kill so many innocent people because you think you're doing the right thing. It's just, it's so funny. I, I, I know you've never played those games or anything like that, but it was a, maybe three hours or something like that. It's a lot of fun. The DLC is all free too. Um, I checked that gotcha. out as well. It's just hilarious. I, I hope that the Squanchy Games keeps continuing to go off of this stuff. I know they actually expressed their interest in making a sequel
0: to the game already. Cool. Uh, what Didn't they make something before Trevor Saves the Universe 2 that was uh, VR? Uh, uh, Rick and Morty. Uh, uh,
1: Rickality. Gotcha. It did was, you play that? Uh, I demoed it. Mm. I did not play it so i don't know if you ever heard of the vr game called job simulator yes um so it was it was a fancy way to show off the vr units in the beginning and they they are funny but it was just a job simulator version with rick and morty and for 30 bucks i didn't think that was kind of worthwhile to me job simulator was cool when i was like starting to show people off like what vr is but it's like not a game that you just want to consistently keep playing and playing and playing
0: gotcha okay uh we'll move on to the topic of the show uh games of the decade is our topic of the show this week uh so we're gonna just go through each year and kind of name off our favorites from each year um this was very difficult some of these years there was quite a few games that each of us were struggling with uh so obviously like 2017 that was hard one 2018 that's a hard one uh 20 i think like 2013 that was a hard uh, one as well for 2013
1: me. 2017 were my hardest ones
0: yeah 2013 17 and 18 were my hardest like there's so many good games in those three years it's insane and 2019 we will reveal next week uh next week we're gonna do our game of the year for 2019 if you listened last week i already spoiled what my game of the year is but uh we'll you haven't kinda played dive... how can you already say it's yeah, no definitely not uh so moving on first 2010 back all the way to 2010 uh lots of great games that came out that year fallout new vegas uh, all kinds of stuff halo reach and my favorite would be mass effect 2 the best mass effect game in the entire trilogy yes i'm not counting andromeda uh mass effect 2 was such an amazing game and it took what they uh based the original off of and just expanded in every way Uh, The game looked amazing at the time Uh, using Unreal Engine. It was absolutely phenomenal. I absolutely love that game. The characters, Commander Shepard, all of the the crew members that you have, the suicide mission, all of that was absolutely incredible. How the game starts, I'm not going to necessarily spoil that because I don't want to you know, have some people pissed off at me or whatever, but the beginning of Mass Effect 2 just throws you for a loop just from the beginning. So, like, that game is just a master class in, in, in all respects. The gameplay was great as well with uh, combining, like, powers with combat. That was a super smart idea uh, from the original Mass Effect, but uh, it did feel a little clunky in the original Mass Effect, and 2, I just re- really feel like refined that quite a bit, so that's mine. Uh, so, 2010 for me is Red Dead Redemption. Uh,
1: this came out, uh, if I remember right, like right after I, I got out of college that year. Uh, so, yeah, like in May. May. Um, and I sunk so much time into this world. I never played Red Dead Revolver. Um, but they were like basically compa- comparing it to GTA. And I like GTA. So, I gave it a win. At, with And I fell in love with this game uh, at the time. Everything was so great. Um, and the biggest spoiler and for me was I thought I was done with the game. And then I went to Mexico and realized I was only halfway through the game. Yep. Uh, just, just insane in that sense that I was not done at all. Um, and the map opened up so much more. I mean, it just felt like you were truly in the wild West for it. Mm-hmm. And then later on that year to have, in my opinion, the best DLC to ever come out for any game, which is undead nightmare um, just took that game to the next level uh to have that be a essentially a zombie apocalypse type game set in Western setting uh was awesome. Uh I, I couldn't believe like that was something that I was able to play in in that setting too. Yeah. Um special shout-out for me, because uh, I think we're gonna do a couple shout-outs or some stuff. Sure. Uh but if I remember right, oh I thought Dark Souls came out that year. Twenty ten? Yeah. Um but uh do you have that lined up? Yeah. Uh, where was it? Um, oh, no. Actually, go back. back. You had it. Uh, God of War 3. God of War 3? Yeah, that was... I was kind of debating on that one, but I, I only played God of War 3 twice, mm. and, like, I, I really liked it. I liked how they wrapped up that part of Kratos' story, mm. uh, but I just super enjoyed the time that I played with Red Dead. And even online... A year later because literally
0: online was broken yeah. when you played it could so i know we're doing 2011 now so could we just both agree that 2011 the best game of 2011 was duke nukem forever it took 20 years for the game to come out and it came out in 2011 so we're on 2012 no, I'm kidding. No, we're on 2012. You totally it, you're kidding. Duke Nukem Forever was the worst honestly, freaking purchase in my entire life. Oh, you bought it? Yes.
1: I, at launch. So I had it pre-ordered back at GameStop back in the um, the OOS. Yeah. And like, I canceled that after like I think like the third delay or something like that. It's insane
0: uh 2011 had a lot of great games skyrim batman arkham city uh call of duty Modern Warfare 3 la noir uncharted 3 so really good year my pick though for uh 2011 is assassin's creed revelations In my opinion, Assassin's Creed Revelations is the most underrated Assassin's Creed game in the entire series. A lot of people gave it a lot of crap uh, for it focusing on both Altair and Ezio, and also they claimed that it didn't have as much... uh, See, I felt like Brotherhood was always more underrated, but you might be right. Brotherhood is beloved. Like, everyone loves Brotherhood from what I've heard, and I love Brotherhood as well, but... Like, Revelations, in my opinion, it just wraps up that Ezio storyline so good. And I loved how much they tied in Altair as well. And this story really just makes that game absolutely amazing, um, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, that's... My 2011. Uh,
1: so, my I, I would agree, 2011 had some amazing games. Another game that I thought of, um, besides uh, Dark Souls, was Dead Space 2, uh, which is my favorite Dead Space. Um, well, yours is one. Yeah. We both said they're good. Don't give me that. Yeah,
0: two, two's a little bit less, though. Uh,
1: little Big Planet 2 as well. I love that game. But uh, it's Portal 2. Uh, so, it's the game that we'll never get a sequel to because it's a, <laughs> it's it, a three. It would have to be a three. Um, so. The reason why I have I will cherish this game forever is because it had one, one of the funniest scripts uh, in a puzzle game. And honestly, in a game in general. Uh, Steven Merchant being the, essentially the new Gladys, in a way. Um, it was just so hilarious the entire time you're doing all the puzzles. Uh, but really what it came down for me was the co-op mode. Mm. Um, it was like a separate game entirely that you could play with a friend. So my friend Chris came over, and I think we played it for like the entire day to beat it. And it was just hilarity ensued because of the simple fact of us both trying to solve the puzzles and our minds both working differently on how we should solve it and always having to come to a consensus. Okay, well, who's going to launch? Who's going to try to fire at the same time? All this stuff. So, I mean, in my opinion, it is the second best puzzle game in the entire world next to Tetris. It's the best co-op game. Uh, It is one of the best co-op games. Uh, But it was just, it, it was such a blast. I know we always would wish for a portal 3 honestly i will take a remastered version of portal 2 like if they did we were talking about having like a orange box 2 type thing like even if they don't have new games but like put like your left for dead 2 your portal 2 stuff like that in there just to play i want to experience that again i know i'll never experience
0: it again for the first time but still great game it is agreed Uh, So moving on, 2012, another good year for games. There was some uh, new IPs like Dishonored and the first season of The Walking Dead. Uh, Mass Effect 3 came out. Uh, You got Max Payne 3, Halo 4, uh, Assassin's Creed 3. No, no one thought that was the best game. Uh, (laughs) Tons of games that came out that year. It had potential to be a good game. Yeah, Darksiders 2 and Unrated, uh, Unrated, (laughs) Unrated. What was the underrated. Word underrated? I think Jesus. I think it's rated appropriately. I, I do yeah. really enjoy it, but yeah. I
1: understand why people.
0: Yeah, but uh, lots of good games. My choice though for 2012 is Diablo 3. So Diablo 3, great uh, top-down looter uh, dungeon cra- dungeon crawler. Sorry, the original basically it's essentially a loo- and- looter shoot looter top-down shooter whatever you want to call that it's because, just a dungeon crawler. yeah yeah, dungeon crawler, yeah but borderlands basically took that and made kind it of first person made it first person yes uh so diablo 3 absolutely loved i played for probably 100 plus hours which is a lot for me for a single player game uh really enjoyed it uh and technically i'm kind of cheating when i say that because i played the console version which didn't come out 2012 but 2013 or 2014. I think it was 2013. Yeah, But either way, it's a great game.
1: And Well, in the end, it, you, you're kind of smarter for that because of the uh, system. I can't remember what the trading system was, but it was completely broken based yep. on PC. And that got a lot of criticism for it. Yep. Um, a shout-out for me would actually be, I totally forgot this came out this year, Max Payne 3. I, I actually really loved Max Payne 3. Um, most I've loved those other those two games. But actually mine is Borderlands 2. Um, I've always talked fondly of the Borderlands series, and this, in my opinion, is still the best Borderlands game. I really enjoyed three that came out this past year, but you don't get much better than Anthony Birch's writing in two uh, with that story, with um, everything going on, the characters, Krieg coming out, obviously, like a year later, but still having that. I mean, my again, my friend Chris and I just sitting on the couch for eight hours, like for two solid weeks, and just playing, 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 Um, Tiny Tina's Dungeon Keep came out as well uh, the following year but still one of amazing DLC actually with his sister Ashley Birch and she kind of started making a name for herself in the gaming industry with that Um, so I mean just a great great next step for borderlands after the first one um and obviously we know the third one came out this past year so i will always hold that game i regardless of your opinion a certain mm-hmm. person we're i will always picturing. hold that game in such high regard
0: uh which it's funny i was just thinking of this we were talking before about Avengers endgame uh kind of being like the uh, pinnacle of the series or, or not pinnacle but like wrapping up everything i feel like borderlands 3 was very much the avengers endgame of the borderlands universe that brought everyone back essentially and just said Here, it's you even know. tales of the borderlands like we said right yeah so uh 2013 we're moving on to had great freaking games in 2013 this was very difficult for me probably the second uh, best year in gaming this decade probably uh bioshock infinite grand theft auto 5 tomb raider the original Uh, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, uh, Super Mario 3D World, Saints Row 4, Metro, uh, crap, I just said mine, but anyways, tons of great games that came out 2013, uh, DMC, so my choice, obviously, as I said, Metro Last Light, the game, in my opinion, the game of Metro Last Light, it has the best atmosphere in any game I've ever played, like... The amount of tension that you feel in the the, uh, subway system or metro system uh, is just insane. Like, they make it close quarters, and they make it dark and gritty and uh, difficult, and it's everything I love about the Metro series all wrapped in in together. Uh, The first game was well known for being uh, very bare bones, and it had a good story, but it was very uh, basic. Last Light expanded on it in every way and it's absolutely one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, so a few games that you didn't mention actually Guacamele
1: came out that year. Yep. Uh, Metal Gear Rising uh, Revengeance which I actually found to be a very fun action game and then also the first season of Walk- uh, The Wolf Among Us hmm. which we know I'm saying the first season because we're getting a second now uh, or I guess not second season but just Wolf Among Us too. Yep. Uh, but I, it, it's hard to top in my opinion that year The Last of Us Uh, Such an impactful game. Uh, I mean, we've kind of talked to this ad nauseum at this point with it. Um, I still... It's one of the only games recently in the last 10 years that's probably made me feel. um, Just gave me the emotions that I did not think I would at all experience that quickly into a game. Um, I heard that. It's just... (laughs) I'm obviously very excited for this year coming up to see what they're going to do to expand on it. Um, But this is probably hands down one of the best descriptions of like if you asked me to take a game that was a description of last generation it would be this
0: yeah and honestly if you hadn't picked last of us i probably would have picked it but since you had picked it i wanted to pick something else and metro last light i absolutely loved. yeah that was
1: actually the only metro that i even played and i enjoyed it i mean we're not giving like a quote-unquote a definitive list these are just kind of our personal favorites and we're giving some shout outs but like honestly for both of us um i think besides maybe like one or two
0: exceptions on both sides like these are games that we both loved Mm -hmm. yep uh so moving on to 2014 we had great games such as middle earth shadow of mordor dragon age inquisition dark souls 2 uh, what
1: dark souls 2 is not one of the greatest oh it's an okay game. It Sorry. is not a great Dark Souls game. I didn't
0: mean to offend you <laughs> Dark Souls fans out there. It is the lesser known. No. Uh, Destiny, Far Cry 4, which is a very good game as well. Titanfall, the original. Uh... I didn't realize how many great games came out in 2014. Actually, stick a true Yeah, I
1: didn't see all these to be honest with you. And now that I am, I'm like, yeah. I'm about to cry because so, I'm like, maybe 2014 was better.
0: It was. It was very good. Sunset Overdrive. Lots of really. Velocity good games. 2X. I don't know if you ever got Infamous Second Son. Yeah, absolutely. Evil Within the original. Uh, definitely a lot of good games in 2014. F, man. I especially, didn't even realize that. Especially considering it's only the second year in the in the console uh, life cycle, which is just crazy. Um, but my choice is an easy one because it includes uh, essentially six games in one, and that is Halo the Master Chief Collection. Now, if you had asked me this on November 11th, 2014, what my favorite... Uh, if that You'd was my say, favorite game can i play online please yeah i'd say wow why can't i freaking <laughs> connect online what is going on so yes halo the master chief collection has come a long way since that day obviously the last year and a half to 2 years they have extremely like done justice to that game they completely rebuilt the game with uh two new studios that have worked on it they completely stripped it all away and remade it brought in halo reach brought in halo 3 odst uh is such a phenomenal value Pro honestly i don't think that anyone could discount the value in that game that game has possibly the greatest value in gaming history just because of the amount of the amount of campaign maps the uh, the amount of campaigns the amount of multiplayer maps the amount of modes the amount of game engines that that game has is insane there's hundreds not not just tens, hundreds of multiplayer maps, hundreds of of uh, campaign missions. Like there's so much there that uh, it's just such a great experience now, and I definitely recommend if you haven't played it in a while, pick it up. Uh, so uh, I think the,
1: I think we shouted them all out. Um, mine is actually Bayonetta Two. Um, so I, I, we just got done talking about this, but i can't reiterate enough that if you ever get a chance to play this i'm kind of actually sad that the vanquished bayonetta edition does not come with the bayonetta 2 that's coming out in february um i thought that was a missed opportunity though i understand that is a nintendo uh, exclusive because nintendo published it um but it was amazing on the wii u it's great on the switch uh honestly see it on sale i would pick it up personally because i i just love that game the combat got so much better um that was really the quintessential platinum a team Mm -hmm. method i mean i could tell you nothing about the story but that's that's bayonet or any of those Mm -hmm. japanese type games
0: but just the combat and the fluidity of everything was just awesome cool uh, moving to 2015, we have Witcher Three: Wild Hunt, Phantom Pain, uh, uh, Fallout Four, uh, Bloodborne. Phantom Pain's a lot of Shoot, people's. I just said yours. Whoops. Uh, Why ra- would you
1: say that? Then? Rocket.
0: I know. Rocket League, Batman: Arkham Knight, um, Super Mario Maker, Splatoon, Ori, Halo Five: Guardians, which had a terrible campaign but great multiplayer uh ori mad until max. dawn star wars battlefront yeah mad max destiny the taken king so much stuff in 2015 uh mine was rise of the tomb raider so the original tomb raider uh reboot was really good but rise of the tomb raider i feel like stepped it up every step of the way Uh, It had very much a lot more open areas than the original had. So you could kind of explore more. There was more uh, tombs that you could discover that had a lot of puzzles involved, which I loved. Uh, Obviously, there's the whole controversy over it being an Xbox One exclusive for a year, whatever. The game was great and people finally got to play it on PlayStation as well. But uh, yeah, I just really love that second entry.
1: Um, so this should come as no surprise because it's really what started my love of the genre, but Bloodborne, um, came out that year and I was not expecting to love this game as much as I have. It's amazing the legacy that this has become now, uh, in PlayStation's wheelhouse. Um, I actually remember Phil Spencer tweeting out, uh, to PlayStation about this game when it came out, uh, because I mean, he understood like what FromSoft did and it's, it was a very good get for PlayStation at this point. Um even though technically they owed Sony and other demon souls and they didn't do that. Um, but I mean nothing I can't really say too much more about Bloodborne. Amazing story um that you obviously have to find. The action, the combat is a lot more fast-paced than Dark Souls, but still with methodical uh in there being attacking, and it's just unbridled gore. Yeah. I mean just ridiculous gore um that just like it creeps you out i mean some of those monsters and creations could give anybody nightmares
0: yeah Uh, it also
1: has like the hardest boss in all the dark souls for me oh really uh that's the dlc that came out later um it's actually the last uh part of the dlc it's it's in this like uh town but like if you ever watch a video on it he is so, like, I consider myself pretty good at those games, and yeah. it took me maybe, like, 50, 60 tries to finally beat him. No th- it was so hard. No thank you. Uh,
0: moving on to 2016, we've got games like Overwatch, Doom, uh, Titanfall 2, Inside, which I kind of forgot about that, Dishonored 2, The Witness, Dark Souls 3, Firewatch, a lot of good games bangers there gears 4 uh gears 4 yes the it was essentially remade uh from division division quantum break yep watchdogs 2 which is underrated in my opinion
1: uh and and we were we were joking about this but actually uh daniel and i kind of bonded over this when we worked together super mario run him and i used to kind of trade like Uh, tips and stuff like that on how to get all the coins because like that was kind of our mission was to beat every level uh, and
0: get all the coins. So, I mean, it was a, that was a big deal when that came out. Agreed. Uh, So my favorite game, this was very difficult. Again, uh, another very difficult decision. This one I just thought about as uh, this is the greatest of this genre that I've ever played. So my choice is Forza Horizon 3. This is the greatest racing game I've ever played. And Forza Horizon 4, don't get me wrong, is a better game, like uh, on paper, so to speak. Um, I just enjoyed the environments and stuff in Forza Horizon 3 a lot better. It was Australia focused, and obviously that's pertinent now because Australia was burnt to a crisp. Uh, but Forza Horizon 3 just hit every mark possible, and it incorporated the new drivatar system, which makes driving around the world feel real because it's real people uh they're avatars essentially driving around the world and it takes on their personas so, like if they're aggressive drivers they act aggressive and if they're not then they're not so like everything they did with that game is absolutely incredible i love that game and the visuals are absolutely stunning as well so uh mine is it's really more
1: of a culmination for me, um, and I, I think you would you would agree with that. Um, Uncharted Four, um, A Thief's End, uh, came out, and I and I think like you, we're so invested in this franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, started with Jake, Drake's Fortune, you got three other games outside of that, and then it ended with this. Um, and granted, the third act, in our opinion, was a little too long, yep. um, but it still had an amazing end to characters that you really cared about um honestly and i don't care that i'm spoiling this but the whole it really kind of gave naughty dog almost a wrap-up because you started with that game playing crash bandicoot on a ps1 which was cool yeah which it was a really cool thing because i forgot how awful the first like so i have the crash bandicoot collection yep the first game is bad yeah i mean it's just it was for the time i get it but it's a bad game um but it was just so fun playing that game and i'm like I thought I was really good at this game, and then Elena beats me. I'm like, maybe I couldn't win, but I've seen videos where people actually beat it. And I'm like, yeah. how are you able to do that still? But it was just, first off, still gorgeous, as yeah. always. The locales, all that stuff. But, I mean, this is really about ending a franchise on a good note. And I, I really appreciate that they gave us a closure for Nathan Drake.
0: I'm I'm sad that Uncharted 2 just missed this decade. I know, that I would put Uncharted 2. Yeah, that's
1: my goat. That's my game that I died in the first like 3 seconds cuz yeah. I thought I was still
0: watching a cutscene. The train. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was still watching a cutscene. I didn't realize I was hanging. Yep. Uh so 2017 moving on to 2017. Uh this is another very fantastic year. We have uh games like Horizon Zero Dawn, Resident Evil 7, uh PUBG, Super Mario Odyssey, uh let's see, Cuphead. Forgot about that. Destiny two, Assassin's Creed Origins. Near Automata. I know you didn't play, but that's such a good game. Prey, Hellblade, Senua, Sacrifice. Neo. Uh yeah. Hollow Knight. Absolutely. Uncharted Lost Legacy. Alright, I'm going back to twenty seventeen. Evil within two. Dishonored. Fractured oh, that butthole. A, yeah shadow of war there's just so much yeah, i'm going back to 2017 i think so so my my choice for 2017 is wolfenstein 2 the new colossus so this is kind of a wild card for me uh i really liked the first wolfenstein and i really liked what machine games had done uh in order to revitalize that franchise and wolfenstein 2 i really feel like they just upped the ante every step of the way wolfenstein 2 is such a good story and like the twist, which I don't know if we should spoil that. It's only two years old. Yeah, I probably wouldn't on this. I won't spoil this. But the twist that happens about midway through the game, roughly, is really insane. Like, when it happened, I was just like, what just happened? That, that can't happen. Like, what happens is just unbelievable to imagine. So, like, that was definitely the coolest moment of that game. And uh, I really enjoyed that game um i'll keep this very
1: brief it's it's hard to not have zelda as my number one yeah you know me i'm a zelda fanatic
0: and this gave me everything i wanted in a zelda game and to be fair breath of the wild was my game yes. of the year of 17 i just chose yeah i know else. i and i totally get that yeah i mean it's
1: i know we're getting a second one but there can't be enough love said to this i still to this day if i didn't have like a backlog with stuff i still want to go back and play this game again um, play. Actually, we talked about the DLC. Both of us never got back to, even though we had it. Um, but it's just. I mean, it's it's one of the greatest games, not of just this
0: decade, but of all time. Agreed. So, uh, moving on to 2018. This is our final year. Uh, obviously, remember we're going to do 2019 next week. Uh, that's going to be our game of the year to the talk. Pressure. I have to beat yeah. Resident Evil 2 in a week.
1: You don't have to beat it; just play it. Yeah. Well, at least I am still in my backlog because Guacamelee yeah. 2. I'm starting.
0: Yeah. You'll have impressions for it, at least. Uh, 2018 had some very big games, including Monster Hunter World, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh, that's such a good game. Marvel. Yeah, I was
1: really debating that, too, even mm-hmm. though I love my game. Yeah. I just I was like, oh, very Odyssey, good. really? Just. 18 was a good year. Marvel Spider-Man, another great game. I know you didn't play Celeste, but Celeste is, uh-huh. does everything Super Meat Boy does with a great and impactful story. Yeah uh forts horizon 4 uh you have tetris Col- effect yeah uh oh, such an amazing sh- that uh, sea of thieves sea of thieves octopath yes.
0: traveler fallout 76 i'm kidding shit definitely just not gave mine away yeah that's my game definitely not uh shadow of the team raider the messenger yep so tons tons of great games in 18 so my choice for 2018 is Red Dead Redemption 2. And obviously you talked about the original, which I absolutely loved as well. Uh Red Dead Redemption 2 for me is a master class in storytelling. And like everything you do in that world, just you feel like every uh conversation you have, every thing you're doing in the world has an impact on the story. Based on how Rockstar frames the world, the way they have uh, the AI companions talking to you, uh, I absolutely love all of that. There's obviously problems with it. It has old uh, gameplay mechanics. Uh, the movement is very slow, um, which, to its credit, the movement being slow does kind of make you take in the world more, so to speak. Um, so you can't. Nec- I can't necessarily criticize them for that um but and the other thing that i absolutely hated was the fast travel system that they didn't have a real fast travel system they just had basically you could return to camp uh from certain i didn't even
1: unlock the that part that's yeah. how quickly i delved delve into it but which it's it's one of those in my opinion from hearing a lot of insiders was a death stranding type game though more love than that obviously
0: universally right. but it was a it was a
1: little bit of a divisive
0: game uh 2018 it's very slow and yeah. if you don't like that kind of experience then that you obviously will have a negative reaction to it so, mine is a reinvention of a series
1: that was not so beloved as far as the story or the character. And it won um, Game of the Year. and it, Yeah, a lot of places gave it uh, Game of the Year, but God of War. Um, not much has to be said about this that hasn't been. I mean, it's, it's very fresh in everyone's mind still as far as this game goes. But, I mean, it, it gave me the Kratos that I guess everybody wanted as far as somebody to care for. And I was already okay with it. I've I've actually liked all the God of Wars. Mm -hmm. But it never took away my love of the combat. Um, It just reimagined it in today's world. In Um, a different way. Yes, almost. It's a little obviously closer. You're not like as top-down asymmetric when you get into like a situation with characters. Yep. Um, The best part of that game was honestly like traveling, going, and then just having Mimir by you. And you finding out lore about it without ever being prompted to, and then he'll stop and then he'll pick it up right again when you're out of combat and stuff like that. So it was a really kind of nice way to keep the pace going while you're like exploring um, Midgar and all this stuff. And he kind made... of not Midgar, Jesus. <laughs> Final Fantasy Seven. Um, I can't remember the place. I'll think about yeah. it later. But Norse mythology. Yeah. Uh, but still, I mean, it's. I, I know you actually really liked it. We. That's yeah. actually the only statue him and I have in common is that collector's uh, statue because yeah. of that game, but. I mean, it's reimagined it. Corey Balrog became one of the hearts of the gaming industry with just, I remember his reaction video uh, from watching all the people like uh, praising it, all the critics and him just crying to it. Like you could tell it's people like that, that really make you appreciate these games that you do because you can tell, even though this was a big triple A game, he's like, he's got that mentality of an indie developer. He just wants, he just wants people to love what he creates. That's all. I
0: agree. Yeah. So I mean, it's really cool to see that. And Mamir was always—he had, always had these weird, like, comments he would make that was kind of funny as well. So I thought yeah. that was that was a pretty cool part of his character as well. And speaking of uh, of reimaginings, I forgot that our episode that got lost. I ranted about this for a second, so I'm just gonna rant for a second. No, it's okay. I don't want Re- to read. No, I know. But reimaginings. Speaking of reimaginings. I hope to God that people give Halo Infinite the chance to be Game of the Year. People often s- segregate Halo to be like, "Oh, it's Halo," so it's just it's just Halo. So like they don't give it a chance to be uh, Game of the Year necessarily. There's very rare circumstances that Halo games get ra- get put into a Game of the Year category, which in my opinion is kind of BS, but. I just hope Halo Infinite gets the chance to do that. If the game comes out and is an amazing game, like if it doesn't get some kind of game of the war game of the year uh, nomination, I will be pissed off. Because but what if it's not a they, good game? Well, no. If it's not a good okay. game, obviously, then no. But I, I've been saying for a very long time that Halo Infinite is three Halo three. It's their third game that they've ever released as a studio that's the only like Bungie's halo 3 was such an amazing game it was my best game of the of ever it was my favorite game i've ever played and if if 343 does that for halo infinite then they need to get the credit that they deserve in my opinion but uh that's just a mini rant because i hate how halo doesn't get as much credit as it deserves Like, Master Chief Collection doesn't get the credit that it it deserves for what they did to it. Yes, it was a disaster at launch, and many years went by before they did anything about it. But now, it is such an amazing experience, and it's on PC, it's on Xbox. Like, there's so many places to play it, and nobody talks about it. No one talks about it. It's just frustrating sometimes, but as a Halo fan. But that's the end of my rant. Do you have any rants before the show closes here? No. Okay. (laughs) all right so thank you guys for watching with us live uh that has been episode 21 remember next week we will be doing game of the year for 2019 we will have a discussion about that and our own personal game of the years uh appreciate you guys coming out to watch us remember you can always watch us live at 8 p.m eastern every wednesday on youtube.com uh just search podcast pxn uh, and you can follow us, Podcast PXN, on Twitter as well. So much love, and keep on gaming, Deuces. See. You.